We're here once again with another episode of the Academics Podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. I really appreciate it. You're in for another good conversation. Today's guest is Will Potter. Will is a freelance commercial prop designer and has worked with some of the biggest ad agencies on some of the biggest commercial sets in the world. Will's position is not one that's really brought up when you think of traditional advertising jobs, which is exactly why I thought he'd be a good guest for the podcast. The interview turned out to be really good, and I gained a respect for people who work on the actual set during the production process. Um, Will first began his career in his hometown of Atlanta, but he's since moved to LA and has been a resident here for a while now. If you're interested in learning more about what it's like to work on live sets, you'll definitely enjoy this interview. Enjoy. All right, so I'm here with Will Potter. Will Potter is a freelance prop master. We kind of met randomly, but I'm one of those people that believe like people cross your path for a reason. Um, so like most entrepreneurs and students, I drive for Lyft in my free time. Um, at night after class, I'll, I'll drive for a couple of hours. For me, it's a good way to think, and it's a good time to meet people. And specifically, I met Will um, a few days ago. Um, it was late at night. He was coming from the airport, and we, we kind of sparked up a conversation. It just so happened to be the same day that I recorded my first interview for this podcast. And on this drive, I'm, the whole time I'm thinking about the podcast and what can I do to make it better, who can I interview, this and that. So long story short, Will gets in the car, we spark up a conversation. Turns out he works on music, I'm sorry, on commercial sets. I've done music videos too. Music, <laughs> music too. Um, and he has a unique position that, that kind of fits in, in the advertising bubble. Although a lot of people maybe don't think about it when they first think about advertising. It does fit fit in the in that same um, genre of, of, of professions. So, um, yeah. Without further ado, Will, thank you for agreeing to sit down with me. How are you? My pleasure. My pleasure. Uh, good first day off in a few rainy day here in Los Angeles. Yeah. Uh, which I generally like and appreciate. You know. Definitely. The sunshine can be uh, oppressive at times. You know. It's yeah. kind of nice to see that that things change. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. So, I mean, um, I, I kind of gave a, a brief story about how we met, but can you go ahead and introduce the people uh, to the listeners, who you are and what you do? Uh, yeah, Will Potter is my name, uh, Prop Mastering is the name of the game. It's, uh, I usually work between half, about half between assisting other people and then Prop Mastering on jobs myself. I've just recently made that transition. Uh, the, the responsibility versus payoff requires a bit of investment as you step that game up. So uh, for a long time, I sort of held back and just kind of watched, watched the game unfold a little bit and sort of learn my lessons before making that sort of step to it. Okay. What does um, what is, what is a prop master entail? So the, 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 the real job, and, and all of this sort of comes from the world of motion pictures, you know, all these titles and how, and they've been sort of specifically curated towards commercials. Mm -hmm. Uh, especially in the last like 10, 20 years or so. But uh, really what it is, is uh, anything an actor touches is the definition of prop master. So I provide something that the actor interacts with, be it watches and sunglasses, which is more rarity on commercials. But usually what it is, is the bags and the, uh, the, the gags is a lot of what it is. So when somebody has to drop a glass and it breaks, and we have to do that four or five times, then we're the ones who find the glass, make sure it's going to work right, do whatever it is, spills the orange juice, cleans up the orange juice, gets more you know, orange juice, or, yeah. you know, yeah. that's what it is. We also deal with the hero product. What's that? So if you're working for, say, uh, 
um, Breed League watches, right? Mm -hmm. We would deal with their watches, so make sure that those watches look good and on the set, make them clean, you know, make sure that the, the right lengths fit the actor, actresses. Um, so it can be that, or it can be making the bag for KFC in the product shot look crispy and clean and beautiful. Okay. So when you're watching ads, and I only do that when I'm out eating out at this point in my life, but uh -huh. I'm always watching then, uh -huh. look at the product shot and see how that looks. Yeah. And oftentimes, almost exclusively, something like a fast food bag is a specific product that's been color matched for television mm -hmm. uh, and we would deal with those and make sure that throughout the you know the commercial shoot we have the right number of them they stay crispy and clean and then we can put them on set and make them beautiful turn it exactly the way it should be for camera okay. all that so okay. that's every hero product for anything that's being sold so it could be it could, anything okay okay um, how, how'd you get into this how'd you get into being a Promise. The short end of it is uh, I got out of school with an anthropology degree and not realizing that that could give you a career in academics mm -hmm. or, or, or you better use it some way else. Yeah. Uh, I, I, uh, I took a job teaching English in Japan for a couple of years on what's called the JET program and uh, taught English there. Uh, came back having had that little like young man experience a bit, traveled around a bunch. And uh, when I got back to Atlanta, where I'm originally from, mm -hmm. uh, I had a connection to an ad agency and went in and showed them some like sort of creative vibe stuff I've been working on, and they were into it, hired me as the intern. What, what agency was that? This agency was called Match. Match. Match, Match Inc. They were kind of like in the world of small, small agencies that did big. They got a really big client at one point, and uh, Flowers Foods was okay. a client, and... Um, they make nature's own bread. Okay. So that that was a, a big deal for a small agency to have sold them on heart. Yeah. And uh, I came into that until eventually they sort of folded due to other circumstances. And uh, how, how long were you interning with them? I was probably like interning maybe six months or so. Okay. Somewhere in there. I worked from for about a year and a half. What was that experience like as, a, as an intern? Like someone new coming into the industry? It was fascinating. Uh, I didn't know anything about advertising, you know, like we talked about Creative Circus before and like people would kind of point me towards that and like say, oh, this is where a lot of people come out of. Yeah. Uh, I, always, I came from like a real punk rocky skateboard background where it was all fuck the system yeah. or like, you know, so it took me a minute to like kind of be like, oh, now I'm making these things, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so did your perception change once you got into it or is it? Did it like well, you know what I like about all of it is the creative process. Yeah. So that to me is what's interesting. You know, in, in the capitalist system that we work in, there's different ways to do that. You know, mm -hmm. if you're going to be an artist, you've got to sell yourself. If you're going to work for an agency, you got we're all selling something. Yeah. You know, especially yeah. now we see it in the in the Graham days, like we all sell something. So, yeah. As far as coming through that, like it definitely opened my eyes to what to how, how things are made, you mm -hmm. know, from selling a client on an idea to realizing an idea in a, in a commercial or print context to, like, taking it all the way to, you know, just to, you know, whatever units, units sold, yeah. like, you know, yeah. picking directors, like, looking at the reels, like, everything is about some version of convincing someone to buy into your idea. 
Yeah, so the, the podcast is kind of um, aimed at just helping students navigate their, their way, like their first steps into the industry. Mm -hmm. So I kind of want to stick to this subject of your internship. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure how long ago it was or how much you remember, but just in terms of that internship, like what type of stuff did they have you doing? So let me think about that. They had, like, you know, you start out, you're just like at the desk, you know, and there was another gal there at the same time, and we, you just kind of meet people and get to start seeing what projects are like in the pipeline at the agency. Okay. So at that time, there was a lot of print ads that were being done, and they had just done, I guess, do we have Shoney's at the time? I think we had Shoney's and Flowers Foods, and, uh, watching this agency like you know sort of deal they had just merged with this other agency as well mm -hmm. like a, a, a sort like a less this they were the creative folks and then they had this like other back-end connect you know what's the word for it like accounts and stuff accounts and other stuff so they just merged so there was also like some figuring out how that worked together okay but watching Basically, like, getting to go and, like, hang around, seeing what the combination of an art director and a copywriter is and how they work together yeah. and what they do, what that job is and what that, how how one person can be the visual and the other can be the words. Like, I think that, to me, was the most interesting thing. Yeah. So, yeah. I've you know, I've made some lifelong friends out of that that I still talked to just the other day okay. through that. Um, so, after your internship, what, what, what has your career been like in advertising since then? Where did you go after that? Before Match folded, I wrote one spot for uh, for uh, for some one radio spot, and that was kind of like I felt pretty good getting out of it after that. So mm -hmm. when they folded, I was seeing a girl on the West Coast, and that's what brought me out. Okay. And our uh, our producer lived out here at the time, and uh, she put me on a commercial set as a PA. Okay. And that was my first introduction to the whole thing, and I was living downtown and hungry and you know jumped on it cool so i mean what what was the biggest difference between um the atlanta ad scene at the time and then moving to la like was there like a stark contrast between the two or are they similar you know i don't know they i never had an experience in an agency myself in los angeles you know i did a little app applying around and whatnot but i didn't really have that here okay so all of my work in Los Angeles has been on the execution side of things like you know once the idea is, is done less on the concepting and more on the you know on the action Got it. Uh, yeah, LA or Atlanta at the time was certainly considered a smaller market but had some had a you know a, it just had less of the uh, of the, I wouldn't say the quality was different I would mm -hmm. say that the the like as people move around there's a lot of LA New York LA New York LA New York you know, and Atlanta was the place for someone to kind of like settle in, have a family, run a life. Yeah. That's kind of how it seemed like to me. Okay. Okay. Cool. Um, so you get to LA. You you let you get your your first job on a set. Um, since then, how like what are the different type of commercials you worked on? What companies have you worked with? <sighs> There's, uh, you know, I could run through the list. That, Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, let me see if I can back it up. Reset last week. Uh, just did a Nike thing last week. Uh, Imperial Woodpecker, Palms Hotel, Doritos, um, Bear Paint. I'm just listing off which yeah. ones come to mind. So that's like you know. How how was the Doritos experience? Because I know that they're really um, focused on their 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 advertising. So yeah, I just did that Doritos. Uh, 
I'm not sure how much of this is covered under the NDA, but I think the oh, spots shit. are out. Oh, but yeah. we'll talk about it anyway, okay. just so you know. Uh, the um, we just did that one with Chance the Rapper that was like the new the uh, it was supposed to be Super Bowl spot. Yeah. And uh, Lionel Richie, which was a rad spot to go work on. Yeah. You know, that's, like, that's like and you know, fucking Lionel Richie teaching Chance the Rapper how to play Hello on the piano. Yeah. Like the moment in the spot, uh-huh. we're all chilling. It's not it's not scripted. And they're just doing it, and everyone just like, DP just like hits record. Everybody sits back and watches this little like just a moment between yeah. like two artists. Like yeah. that's kind of the beauty of the thing. So cool, so cool. I I guess like, Doritos people were great. Everyone was great. I know uh, I did a lot of that with like you know a funny part. This is a more prop mastery aspect of it. Uh-huh. Is you have maybe fifteen boxes of Doritos, right? Like of this special. Uh, Doritos thing or new new chip that's come out and uh, you have to go through and select the ones that look perfect so then you got <laughs> 25 boxes of open Doritos like with bags <laughs> in them and they look like they're covered with the spice but aren't really spicy because those things are real spicy Yeah. so like finding you know like the perfect Dorito which has three perfect so pages, they bring like, in a separate bag for the commercials that aren't really spicy yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, uh, because, you know, your talent may not want, you the know, spice. may not like like spicy. Oh, so, see, this is interesting because this is something I this like. part, I've that never thought really of. Cool. Yeah. I've never thought it, of. I mean, and that's the thing in the, in the prop master world. A lot of times the agency won't think of that. Yeah. Because they're thinking of other things or whatever. Like, we have to be the ones to think about what's, how is this going to actualize? Yeah. Like, what's going to happen on set when, when I'm standing there and and I don't have enough of it, or I do have enough, or it breaks. Yeah. Those are the those are the questions that we're often planning ahead for, and have to like sort of budget for, you know. Yeah. So whatever that is. So um, I'm curious, what's what's like the creative process of like not even the creative process, the the production process of you guys. Um, let's say you get called for a job. Um, what's the first thing you sent like, that's sent to you? Um, and, and where does it go from start to completion? Right. So the the world of the, let's say, because generally what we do is television commercials, right? National uh-huh. television commercials. So that job is awarded from an agency to a director who is hired, who is works for as part of a production company, mm-hmm. be that Hungry Man or Reset or Imperial Woodpecker or any any one of these production companies, uh, MJZ, and that director then gets the job. It's, it's sort of discussed ahead of time in a holding process, and then they essentially will eventually hire or generally work with a production designer who's the head of our department, and that person will hire the prop master. Okay. So that's sort of the, tr- the, the chain of command, and the, the agency will have the boards, the director will have his ideas on it, and you're sort of listening in as that conversation is happening. But generally, you get, at, at least at some point, you get the the uh, sort of director's treatment and that's where you first start to bid a job from okay so then the the bid all happens within the you know between the production company who gives a number to the ad agency and we give a number to them and you know what I mean so that's sort of how that goes down and certain things cost a lot of money you know other things don't you know but but generally you put you know if you have to do a build you know, if this is going to be on a stage, if it's going to be, you know, the majority of our work happens in people's homes in Los Angeles at this point. Okay. Uh, 
super familiar with running sound, obviously. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that, I mean that's how that that's how the bidding process works. And then eventually, what happens is we have a budget, and uh, the art department has a budget, and props has a budget, and the idea is that you will bring the job in at that at that budget, mm -hmm. and that's of course dependent on what changes happen, what happens during the job. Labor is a huge part of that. You know how many man hours can you put on because it's all you know subject to a union contract give or take you know it's all been so that's you know you generally will knock out the big items and there's a lot of things that you would have all the time yeah. so if it's um I'm trying to think if we had like a good example of something to be like the running example you know um something like a a paint a paint company, right? Mm -hmm. Like Home Depot, uh, Bear Paint. You're going to have a lot of paint. Yeah. And you're going to have to showcase that paint. So then you're going to be painting walls, you're going to be repainting walls. So all of that has a price associated with it that mm -hmm. goes into the thing. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I mean, what's the time frame like on, on, a, on a set typically? Like how long is a job? How long is a day? I would say oh, that an average work day. A, uh, the job from the time that we might get it, you know, a, uh, hear about a job to being finished is somewhere in the realm of a month. Oh. Uh, but the actual execution of a job can be anywhere from one to say four. I did Walmart for two weeks last mm. year, like two weeks of uh, those heavy, yeah. you know, but usually it's going to be somewhere, you know, in that range. It's usually about three to four shoot days okay. for a campaign for a full campaign of something like a holiday campaign that gets longer uh, but you know, for for brands that have less, um, you know, that market at a at a larger segment of of American society, like Walmart or Target or something like that, those tend to be a bit longer, bigger, bigger campaigns. Okay. But you know, television commercial, two three days, Got four it. days. Got it. Yeah. Um. So when you're on set, like, how how often do scripts change, or how often do like directors or writers come in and say, oh, we got to change everything, we got to do something different. How does that? What's the process of that, and how how is it? It can go a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, the the real thing is, it costs money to make changes. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you, you there's a lot of pressure to stick with at least with a concept or an idea that is the you know is to be executed. There's plenty of room for. Ch I mean, change is the name of the game. All we do is make a change, yeah. paint it a different color go get a different bag, this is not the right thing, this is not what we talked about, yeah. this wasn't discussed on the scout, all, all that happens all the time. So you build in some money for that, the eventuality of, of that something won't be the right thing. Yeah, it happens all the time. Um, it's part of, it's an intrinsic part of the process yeah. that you've shown someone a picture of something and then they, they see it in person and they're like, oh, I don't think that's right. Or... And that could be the director or the agency or the client. So we're really subject to three different people's wishes, which may or may not actually coincide. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes the director has this idea for this zany reel, the spot for their reel, and then the client wants is something way more conservative, and the agency is kind of like going between that. And we're providing, you know, some sort of, we're trying to serve three different Choices. Got it. Sounds you know. difficult. Um, would you say that's like the most frustrating part? It takes a bit of. It takes a lot of patience, to be yeah. honest, because you just kind of have to like. There's a, a lot of politicking within that. 
you know, and you kind of let those politics go, and then you provide, you, you just kind of have to, it just takes experience, like, knowing yeah. when, when and how to provide something, or, like, you know, whether you need a, 25 options for this thing or not, you yeah. know, so. Okay, well, um, so, yeah, we just talked about the frustrating part of it, what, what would you say is, like, the most rewarding part of what you do, like, what, what makes you the most happy? Uh, it's fun to, so I just did like, a, um, I just did the sleep number beds job with a really cool director. Everyone was very smooth, got along well and providing a thing with that, showing up with an idea from something as simple as like a coffee mug, mm -hmm. right? Like they'll say, oh, we want a blue, blue coffee mug. And, and so what is that? Like, what does that look like to you? Because there's a zillion coffee mugs out there yeah. in the world. Like, there's the one at the diner. There's the one at the hipster, you know, pottery shop up the street. There's this, that, and the other. Like, one of those is going to be right front and center in the camera. And, you know, so providing that, knowing where to find the right one or getting the right one and having everyone be like, oh, yeah, cool. That's that's a nice feeling. Okay. Right. Seeing it in, in Seeing it for real. I, le I get less excited about it. like I c it's kind of nice to see it in the end product, but it it doesn't mean as much yeah to me as like I like the action of it. Okay, like the process is more important. Than that. Yeah, I like the process and and like there's a real camp vibe camaraderie when you're working with people you know and trust mm -hmm. that is really of value to me. Okay. So like th you, there's something in there about this that made me think about it, but what what you do what we do is not going to work nine to five. You know, we often go to work f five to nine, you yeah. know, like that's really what the hours are. So y you have a lot of time to spend with people and get to know them. And, you know, the fact that you can do that for three or four days and then take three or four days off, like that's where, that's where the beauty of it is. But okay. it's not a, uh, it's not a great long-term strategy for, for planning your life. <laughs> yeah. But it's a, it's a, we joke about it as the world's best part-time job. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. It's um something that I wish I would have known some more about this like in, in the past because this is something that, that like I always thought of advertising as like the commercials and being on the commercial sets and like mm -hmm. in my background I've been on a lot of like um music video sets mm -hmm. and I always like looked at what they did and I was like damn I should I would do that but like I didn't know any, the first thing about it mm -hmm. I had never had a conversation with anyone about it so to, to hear you speak about it is like it's um very it's very cool. very cool I certainly came up through music videos and all of that like that where we are in the commercial world you know it's all changing all the time anyway but like you kind of have to like get in and you work with people who don't know as much and eventually you're in the you know you stick around for 10 or 15 years and you're yeah. with the people who have it down yeah. you know who make yeah. the big commercials but yeah I've done you know <laughs> plenty of 18 20 hour days on music videos just yeah. like paying dues and getting it you know getting it handed to me the whole time definitely um over the years like how have you seen um commercials change if any what i would say the biggest thing that i see right now is that whereas companies used to be there used to be one outlet people just watch television yeah right so television took what was the print ad and made it this you know moving picture and it was that for 35, 40 years. Yeah. And now everyone has a television in their pocket. So what was the classic 30-second ad is now a five-second ad. So 
you, we're still making these bigger, bigger branded 30 second ads, mm -hmm. but you, it's less aspirational for a new company to want to make a big national 30 second ad because they don't have $2 million to put into that. Yeah. So you have smaller companies making smaller things for smaller media outlets, be it an Instagram ad or a, something like that, or they'll do whatever the, the will make an event and, and everyone can go make the commercial for it themselves because they were at the event and they're just going to stream it the whole time or whatever you know yeah. people do. So what I see is my industry changing for that. Yeah. Like as far as in, in the current milieu and the execution of it, that's where I feel agencies are a little hesitant to be throwing a gang of money at a 30-second ad. Yeah. when all of the metrics are telling them that the millennials and the young people, everyone that is looking at a smaller, uh, a, like a, a smaller connection point. Definitely. Have you noticed or on your, on your sets, like let's say you're shooting a, a one minute commercial, do, 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 um, do you do directors often get like tasked with like, okay, we also need a 30 second commercial for social media on the oh, same, yeah, like sure. cut it shorter. Do they shoot like multiple versions of the same thing? Absolutely. Yeah. And that's all built in. And we'll do that. We've been doing that for years, you know, yeah. with media stuff. We, all right, this is for the 15, this is for the Spanish, this is for the, uh, you know, whatever it is, the Uzbeki version, you know, we do all of that happens all, you know, within, with it's built into the context and the schedule. So even last this last week we're doing this is this version and then this one's for the 15 or this is for the that and that's that's kind of like standard operating procedure that you would build all of those things into a schedule one budget together uh, you know it's kind of like doing a campaign you yeah. know and, and it just is there is there a, is it a time built campaign or is it is a you know all the stuff different you know look at like for example those Verizon ads where you've got the big letters. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. They put them on the beach, they go everywhere. Yeah. So those letters are a built object that exists that go and travel around. We generally have a couple of people who deal exclusively with those letters, getting yeah. them set up and leveled and all of that. And then you would build in with those two actor guys that are in it. You know, I've seen them a bunch. One of them lives in the neighborhood, you know, yeah. and they do, you do, here's the 10, here, or here's the 15 second, here's the 30 second spot. This will be part of a big thing, and then we'll do this little shorter piece that's just a quick jibber between them, you know, or yeah. some kind of little, like, you know, yeah, com comedic stuff, you know, yeah. to make a smaller spot. Interesting. So you're a freelance, you work freelance. What, what are the benefits of, of working freelance as opposed to, I don't know, working for, like, a being under contract with, like, a big company? Uh... I was always a person who was not interested in the corporate ladder or structure. So to me, the payoff is that I make my own hours. So while that sometimes is dependent on like how much you want to bring in, uh, or whether there's work around, which you know for the last 10, 15 years has been very steady and been blessed in that world. But it's uh, the, the benefit is is being your, sort of your own boss. Okay. And uh, in my world, I sort of answer less emails than, <laughs> cool. than others. So, you know, whether you get the 9 p.m. email with 25 people, you know, copied on it, like, what's happening in the, you know, I don't, I don't really want to, like, deal with that. Yeah. How big is, are the teams you typically work on? The job could be anywhere from uh, uh, a Nissan thing I did last week with no 
no art needed really mm -hmm. just a couple of little things and and myself and a production designer mm -hmm. to full-on like 25 person crews in art only wow. you know just in the art department like people prepping a house people striking a house shooting crew on set effects all kinds of stuff you know it could be a uh, construction crew that's making a thing like you know a lot of these things when you see a big commercial there's a lot of people and a lot of money that go into that yeah. so it can get, but it could also be small and a lot of what we do is hand cell phones to actors yeah I mean because that's the that's the product that is sold at this point is is a phone or something that comes through a phone so if you I can't tell you how many times I just do the shot of a camera and a phone in somebody's hand yeah I did it yesterday <laughs> <laughs> it, like it's crazy but we're gonna look in in 10 or 15 years when we figure out what this bottleneck is mm -hmm. and, and when the technology moves us beyond the bottleneck of the phone we'll know we're going to look back and be like wow remember when we carried phones yeah Interesting. I mean just from your perspective where do you think commercials are headed in the future what's the future of commercials it'll be experiential like we're going to figure out how to get past this bottleneck uh -huh. and 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 you like right now you can you can look at whatever Snapchat or Instagram right and change somebody's face to a cat yeah right why would not Doritos be able to put a bag of Doritos in your friend's hand yeah when you're looking at it or something mm -hmm. like that or put it in the background or like that's where we're going and that's the digital technology that's taking over you know so like like VR essentially yeah for sure have you worked on any sets that that tried to experiment with that. Earlier, yeah, I've done a few that have done like uh, a big VR thing. Like, I couldn't honestly couldn't tell if it was a music video or a commercial, but it had like huge people attached for Beck, and it was like just this whole three D world. We could barely like figure out what was what they were trying to make, you know. And I don't know that they did too. They were really pushing the boundaries of the of the technology at the time, and this is four or five years ago. Yeah. So, let me just say it's immersive. That's what that's what they're moving towards. So where whereas right now, whereas we used to make something by pointing a camera at a thing, now you're able to make a thing and everyone has the camera in their pocket. Oh. So they're making the thing. Yeah. You know, everyone is their own cameraman, and my job still exists because you have to have a cool, interesting built environment. So when someone wants, you know, a a, a festival atmosphere or something, then or, or some special clouds hanging or something like that, we'll, we can still create that. Yeah. So we're still there to make a thing, and then people will come to the thing as opposed to showing people the thing, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. It does make sense. It seems like that's where a lot of it's going. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think with the advances in technology, that's definitely the, the avenue that it's headed down. So um, being on so many different sets, what what's some of the craziest things you've seen? Uh, think about that. Um we did a cool one years ago. A guy, uh, a guy's like in a boat. He's like sitting in a little boat in a pool, and then the camera pulls out, and that pool is on a big boat. So he's like in his boat. Oh, yeah. It's like supposed to sell the idea of like you know this is the luxuriest of luxury. Like I'm living that life. Yeah. And uh, so this guy's in his little boat, and then the camera will pull back, and then the VFX eventually does like the giant yacht that he's on in the middle of the ocean, mm. but in the pool there's this custom-made boat that's sitting in this pool 
uh, w that is surrounded by a uh, like wooden decking mm -hmm. to make it look like, which is actually a house in a, up in the hills oh. that exists. Mm -hmm. And we're up there, and like I'm just one of the guys, you know, in the pool making all day, sitting in the pool making yeah. making the the yacht be in the right spot yeah. in the water or whatever it is. Cool. It, it's everything from that to like you know uh, giant FedEx car crashes, like full on stunt crews and 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 cars that go off of jumps and you know f rotate in the air and smash and explosions and you know done that which is like that's the big the big show you yeah. know there's a lot there's a lot of stress involved on the production level when you're dealing with stuff like that you know? okay. the, the majority of it is really quite mundane to be honest like the majority of television commercials that are made are like showing a product to someone in their environment yeah. So, so there's a lot of home interiors that are made to look like your slightly aspirational home interior. So we will go into someone's house, take out all of their furniture, replace it with all of our furniture, shoot a commercial, take our furniture out, put their furniture back in. That happens in a day. That's wow. the standard operation in a, in a television commercial. Wow. There's a place in the valley, there's many places where you can go and rent all of this stuff, but it... It's just full of rentable crate and barrel type of items. And you rent them and you show up, put them in the house, take it away. And that's whatever happens in the house happens in the house and in the spot. And that's yeah. what it is. So we do a lot of that. Cool. So I'm, I'm, I'm always interested in what, what people do outside of work. Mm -hmm. um, just in researching you, I, I came across your website um, and your company Set and Sing. Mm -hmm. Can you just talk about that and um, what are the origins of it? So uh, my buddy Ryan and I sort of started that um, in, why did I start that? Probably been 10 years now, but used it as an outlet for sort of documentary style production stuff. He, he works at NPR now in the, on the visual side of things. And uh, we sort of started that after we went, we got a gig going to Uganda and doing a project on these nuns that are there, the Little Sisters of Mary Immaculate. Yeah, I saw the video. It was um, really good. It's really good. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that was like our first like go at it, you know, like figuring it all out, like pack up a bunch of camera gear and go to Uganda and like get to know these nuns, which was, you know, a gorgeous experience. Like, yeah. you know, being especially like where we were, they do all this work with um, uh, the Acholi in the north, in the northern part of Uganda uh, as it sort of approaches the Sudanese border. And where a lot of the like rebel stuff had been happening ten years ago, so ago, yeah. um, just like was a, you know gorgeous experience of, of humans. Yeah. The uh, we did that, and also a project on uh, there's a iron ore train that takes uh, iron ore from the inside of the Sahara in Mauritania out to the ocean, essentially. Mm -hmm. And uh, Ryan's wife at the time. Uh, Claire was living in Senegal mm. and so had the idea let's go ride this train and check it out which is what we did and uh, travel up to you know up the coast of Mauritania hop on this train you can see some of these pictures are, are, are from there and uh, what people do is they ride in the cars like you would uh, uh, like uh, in the old days of American train travel when you just go hobo hop on a thing yeah. and so the empty iron ore hopper cars uh, are also used as free transport in between the interior and the exterior of the country um, 
And so we went and, you know, rode that, made a little piece about that. So okay. it's sort of just, it's like everything else. It's like a branded way to have your own uh, showcase the things that you're interested in. Yeah. So, you know? I mean, in that particular project, what, what exactly do you do um, as far as you so, and yeah, we shot partners? We shot all that, right. essentially. Like, it, it's mostly that stuff is like... Uh, um, just go and go and show. Yeah, you know, uh, that's kind of what that has always been. Yeah. As far as like someone who's young and interested in working on on sets, as you do, or being a prop master of some mm -hmm. sort, what what are some advice you can give to someone who who's interested in the industry? Uh, from from my perspective, it now it seems real simple, and it it's maybe it's not so much from from getting started. So it's a great question you show up 15 minutes early and happy to be there and and ready to learn and jump in and give a helping hand where you can yeah and that is is how to do it and if you have no connections to getting onto a commercial set there's white trucks all around los angeles mm. all day long yeah. and and make a card make something cool that shows who you are and hand it to the hand it to people. Send emails. Go to the production company. Say I want a PA. You can look up every production company in Los Angeles. Make a cool card. Drop it off and say I want a PA. Call me when you need someone. Call yeah. me when you need someone. Show up, and that'll get you on the set. Yeah. What I always tell the PAs who are on set because that's a rough job, and you're kind of like the low man on the totem pole, or woman, or whichever you know. And figuring out it's a lot of just like long hours for low pay, getting. You know, but but you're in the place. You're not supposed to stay there. It, that job is made to give you an opportunity to look around. Yeah. So if you want to be in lighting, start knocking those folks up. You know, or really, you know, if if you have an idea of what it is that you want to do, just start offering it, offering yourselves to do that all the time and make mistakes. Yeah. Because life is about getting up and making those mistakes and learning it. Because it's the only way you learn. You know. That's, that's some great advice. Great advice. My first job was, uh, my first real one, the turning point for the art department for me was uh, we were shooting in this, I lived downtown in this little like uh, residential hotel at the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, through those connections that I mentioned earlier, we were doing an Ashley Furniture job. And it shot about two blocks from my house. And I was like, hell yeah, this is great. I can just walk right over there. So I show up and they don't have the keys to the place. And mm -hmm. I'm like feeling it. I'm in the morning. I have my cup of coffee, you know, I'm in there good. I'm like, I'll climb in this window right now. I'll open this place up. Let's yeah. do it. And I, you know, figured that out, made it happen. And from then on, I was like, okay, cool. Now I can, you know, they're like, oh, okay, he's going for it. And then from then the art department, the way that this thing was set up made it so that the art department needed extra hands getting the next sets of furniture in because we were just shooting like vignettes of the furniture all day. Yeah. So I sort of spearheaded that. And then the art director saw me and was like, hey, we're doing this short movie. Need some some guys who, who are hungry. You want to be one of those guys? And then there it was. Yeah. Next thing you know, you know, it, you move on. You just keep, you get to meet people and you're moving in. Yeah. Definitely. So so always be prepared to, to go the extra mile. Right? I mean, really, that's like, that's, that's life and jobs, right? Like, yeah. you just got, it's kind of like you're doing right here. It's like, you're not going to show up with nothing. You're going to show up being like, oh, I've been interested in this, so I'm interviewing people. What a cool way to just, like, get knowledge. Yeah. Like, I was thinking about that. Like, the podcast is really, 
you know, a great way to just be like, I'm just here to ask some questions of someone, you know, that I'd be interested in. Yeah. It's rad. Yeah, so, yeah that, I mean, that's, that's like just life shit. Yeah. Definitely. Thank you for, again for yeah. inviting me to your home and taking the time to sit down and do this. Yeah, my on pleasure. Your day off. My pleasure. Uh, I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah. That was a good opportunity. I was looking to, you know, be chilling all today anyway. It's raining. Like, cool. cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, man. Thank you. What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning into this episode. If you want to keep up with us outside of these podcasts, make sure you follow us on Instagram. That's at Academics, A-D-C-A-D-E-M-I-C-S. And you can follow me personally. My handle on all social platforms is at Justin D. Barnett. You can also email academicspodcast at gmail.com for any and all inquiries. Thank you. Class dismissed.